Today's guest will help us focus in on how broadcasting is truly all about people. If we're fortunate, we'll also learn about networking and the experience of connecting with other broadcasters. Are you ready? Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We provide, listen to this, affordable help for broadcasters who are looking to make more money. So if that's you, listen up. We are a branding company. We specialized uh, or we do specialize in helping our clients fully develop the right position in their local market to collect the most money. We coach local morning shows and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs if you need that. We can provide excellent voice trackers, and sales and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle forward. And we do a lot more than that. So we are confidential and market exclusive for radio. If you have a problem that gets in the way of higher ratings, of the next level of revenue, uh, we could be for you. So reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. How can we help you? Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. What is about to happen on this event, this episode? Well, it's almost time for us to talk with Bradford Caldwell. He's the vice president of member experience with the National Association of Broadcasters. He's going to talk to us directly from Washington, D.C. Before we get started with Bradford, though, listen up. This is what's happening next week. Jody Koontz is the morning show host at Murphy, Sam, and Jody. Now, they're a kind of a big adult contemporary hot AC and other formats morning show that's syndicated across the country. We're going to talk to her about what makes them special and what makes them balanced and how they got where they are and why they're ideal for certain broadcasters. See our full guest calendar all the way into October, 2022. It's on our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com and we do keep it updated. By the way, we don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. It's because we believe in this crazy theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometimes. I'll be glad to share it with you. We want you to go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime. See what you can get for absolutely free from our team. It's for you. Today's guest is a third-generation broadcaster. Did you hear this? He's a third-generation broadcaster. I don't want to scare anybody, but he has a financial background, and I have to assume that he's all good with math, and he's in radio. Look, we're going to tap in, and we're going to try to understand the NAB on this episode but we're also going to look at how to win friends and influence people because I suspect that our guest right now is excellent on that subject. He knows that subject well. Bradford, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Lloyd. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, thank you for the invitation uh, to talk about broadcasting and radio. Some, you know, we get excited. We get to talk to the NAB because well, we might get some secrets. We definitely get some 
kind of future vision, uh, vision of what's going to, what's coming down the road kind of thing. And a, and a whole bunch of other things that can happen. One of the things I noticed about you though, is how educated you are with an undergraduate business degree from Georgetown university and an MBA from the Thunderbird, you knew I'd mess that up, Thunderbird School of Global Management in, at Arizona State University. So you've got both sides of the country covered. I always think that education can act as a absolute multiplier for some people. So, you know, it's more than just having a degree. It's that education is more than that. What has so much education done for you? Well, it was really something that my parents instilled in me growing up, you know, how important of an education uh, was in someone's life. And so just working hard throughout, you know, grade school and high school growing up. And then, you know, I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to attend Georgetown, you know, for my undergraduate years and really enjoyed those, you know, four years, you know, learning obviously a lot of business skills and, and other courses at Georgetown, but a lot, for a lot of people, you know, that college experience is the friendships you make over those four years. And, you know, fortunately to this day, I still keep in touch with many of those friends to this day. And now that I'm back in Washington, you know, working at NAB, I've been able to keep in touch with several of them and, and had lunch or dinner with some of them uh, over the past year or so that, you know, I've been back here in, in DC at NAB. So, um, but I think in addition to, you know, obviously the coursework, you learn a lot about working with people and individually or in group settings, you know, especially right. a lot of the business classes I took, pretty much every business course has some type of group project because even now, you know, my working career, we do a lot of group work, you know, within our department at industry affairs here at NAB, but I've actually done a lot of group work with other departments. So that experience has been really important because you learn how to work with others, um, getting other perspectives from people, you know, you bring kind of a skill set to the table. I mean, as a broadcaster myself, it was really something important that the leadership here at NAB saw in bringing me on because they wanted a broadcaster in-house to be able to talk to different departments about the initiatives that NAB is working on and making sure that a broadcaster's voice is a part of that. And so- I, Look, that's so important. And I don't know if you would agree with this, but I'm gonna try this on you, okay? Uh, I had somebody tell me this once and I just have believed it ever since I heard it. Nobody accomplishes anything, not really, on their own. It takes a group of people coming together with a common purpose. Would you say that's probably true? Oh, absolutely. I think, especially with the pandemic the past few years, it's even more important because of all the challenges that everyone has gone through and just, you know, shows you how much working together is so important towards a, a common mission. And and getting through those challenges, you know, both professionally and personally, and just helping each other. And that's just something I've been proud to be of here at NAB, but also with our radio company back home. Um, just, you know, you just get through it day to day and working with each other. And, you know, that sense of camaraderie among each other that everyone's, you know, paddling in the boat towards the same goal together. And that really, I think, makes a big difference for people instead of feeling like you're doing it by yourself. You know, people are really important. And I think especially in our business, because anybody can have the tower, anybody can have the whatever, but it's the people that make the difference. So look, now we've talked about your education a little bit. 
I'm going to be a little less frightening. I'm going to, well, maybe I'm going to be a little less frightening. I'm going to ask, how did radio enter your life? So being a third generation broadcaster, actually it was my mother's father that started back in 1956 with KWYN AM 1400. He started that and um, uh, sadly he passed away in a car accident in 1966. So he was mm. around for 10 years. And then my grandmother uh, kind of ran the station for a number of years right after that and did a wonderful job uh, doing that. And then once my parents graduated college, my, my parents and my father got involved and helped my grandmother out with the station uh, when they graduated from college. And then they've been involved ever since then. So my dad's still been involved. And, um, you know, I was grew up around the business. And then for me, I, you know, I, I think, you know, it's funny as you get older, you, you have perspective, you know, and mm -hmm. looking back, I'm, I'm appreciative that I had other jobs and other industries you know, from the time I graduated college to when I moved back home, when we started expanding our business and adding more stations in 2007. Now, remind you, that was right when the, the Great Recession kind of happened. Sure. The fun so, time to do it, right? Right. Yeah. You know, you know, hindsight's 2020. But but actually, it did teach me a lot because it goes back to what I was saying, like with the pandemic, you know, you're in a tough situation, just like a lot of businesses you're trying to get through the day to day. You just all keep working together. Um, but, you know, you know, my father and I, my parents, we said, if we can get through that, we can get through anything back then. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you something else too. Broadcasters are in the business of helping business people get ahead, survive problems. When there are problems in the country, that's a great time for us. I know nobody wants to hear that, but it is because it, that's where our opportunity comes from. Let's talk about EAB, East Arkansas Broadcasters. Now, here's what my information says. It's the largest individually owned group of stations in Arkansas, 52 signals covering 99 counties in East and Central Arkansas, in addition to the Missouri Boot Hill, which if you're from that area, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and portions of West Tennessee and Northwest Mississippi. Now, look, you were the CFO of this company. Is that right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Are you still the CFO? No, I'm not. No, I, I stepped away from that position. I do help from time to time, you know, when they have questions that pop up and, or, you know, billing issues that my name was under or music uh -huh. licensing, you know, uh, bills that come in that, cause I, I, you know, when I was there, you know, just like a lot of broadcasters wear so many hats. And so for me, it was wearing that finance hat, but also that kind of HR, uh, you know, compliance, regulatory issues. You know. Yeah, look, I was going to ask you about that. The, you're the CFO, well, you were the CFO of this company. To me, that means you oversaw a lot of parts of that business, not just one or two parts, but a whole bunch of different parts. 14 years and nine months. What, how do you, how'd you find that job to be? I mean, it, you know, it was great. I mean, I learned so much, you know, like a lot of broadcasters, I started in sales. I remember my uh -huh. first sale was to a real estate development company in uh, Marion, Arkansas, near Memphis. And, and just kind of built on that, you kind of learn uh, the sales process and also producing spots and, you know, recording spots, you know, depending on what the client wants. And so I did some of that. And then 
working with our, you know, banking partners, um, our CPA, our bookkeepers, and then kind of wearing that HR hat, learning about, you know, benefits and uh, right. what we can do to help our employees with benefits and that benefits administration, you know, once a year of working with our insurance broker about health insurance renewals. So, so I had a lot of hats, but learning all that was really, it helped me get to this position at NAB so that I can bring kind of that knowledge to NAB when we talk about issues like, you know, the impact of higher regulatory fees, um, you know, are hurtful because, you know, broadcasters are already strained, you know, with expenses and That's you know, right. more expenses it doesn't help anybody, whether they're small market or large market or, or whatever. But, um, but my background, I think, has helped me bring some experience to the table here so that when we communicate with Congress and the FCC about the impact that it has on broadcasters where maybe they don't have the experience here in D.C., but that I and other broadcasters around the country can bring to the table. You know, this idea of experience, which we're going to get to, but now when I talk about experience now, I mean broadcaster experience, I mean uh, customer experience, I mean member experience with the NAB. We are going to talk about that, but I want to go back because look, the NAB is kind of brilliant to bring you in because you can speak to those issues and you can talk about broadcasters of a lot of different sizes and what they go through. But I want to go back to the CFO role. These folks must have had an awful lot of trust in you, you know, when they make you the CFO. Did you enjoy being in that job? I know that you started in sales and you kind of built your way up, but, you know, that job has a lot of responsibility and, and uh, there's nobody else to look at <laughs> right. when CFO is by your title, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I truly enjoyed it because I got to work with so many people at our company, but also people outside our company. Like I said, with we have, you know, several banks we work with, you know, that are lending partners and yes. I'm sure they have all the financial statements they need from us. And, uh, you know, just in, and especially during the tough times working with them and really educating them because a lot of banks don't have radio stations as clients. So, you know, a lot of it was educating them on kind of the business model of radio stations, which we all know is, you know, advertising is a big chunk of it and, and some stations have tower rents you know as a part sure. of it but um fortunately because we were able to educate them um so they understood our business and kind of became comfortable because it's not just you know it's a very specialty type of business to you know lend money to it's not just you know it's not as tangible you know because you can't collateralize your fcc license so and plus you have conversations like well what do you sell son and you go air Right, exactly. Yes, it's like, what? It's Wait, what? Thing, even though we all know the value, and that's why I love talking about radio because of the impact we have in our communities. But that's right. You know, the value we give to business owners, and, and I'm glad you brought up earlier about, you know, during tough times, it was the advertisers who kept advertising during those tough times that actually came out, you know, did really well because they kept advertising, which imagine that. Businesses, you know, get nervous and think I've got to cut back on advertising, you know, to cut expenses, but it actually defeats the purpose, I think. Actually, I always say that advertising when there's a crisis means that the person at the end of that advertisement, they understand gaining market share. That's what they understand. So listen, your background as a CFO, 
must have helped you in other organizations that you've been involved in. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. It, I think the key thing for me was doing a lot of planning, you know, right. you try to forecast, you know, your sales productions down the road, how much you're going to be selling, you know, what expenses are going to be coming up, what projects you need to do. You know, for us, it was, okay, we need to do some grounding work at these tower sites to make sure that, you know, if we have a lightning strike that we don't go off the air, the likelihood's great. Kind of important. Um, You know, you plan as much as you can, but you can't plan for everything. But for us, it was making sure we had enough insurance coverage on our buildings or tower sites that if in the event something happened that we were covered. Um, But for for me, when my work with like the community foundation and the chamber, really just working with you know, those boards talking about, okay, you know, we're in a good financial situation, but, you know, what are some expenses down the road we need to kind of plan for that we may not have now, but in the next year or two we have, and just ensuring that we have enough, you know, funds and resources to cover that down the road. So for me, kind of being two step a- two steps ahead of things has really helped. And I think you saw that with the Great Recession and the pandemic, you know, people who were able to kind of plan and be resourceful that really helped, but you can't plan for everything. I mean, no one knew that a global pandemic was going to happen, you know, and everything happened so fast and everyone's scrambling, but you just do the best you can and just having really good partners like banks and, you know, your CPA to kind of help you through that process was really Well, helpful. there's a, there's another word for that, and that's have really good relationships, yep. which I think is key to our business. So, Bradford, I'm glad that you brought up some of these other roles that you've been in, because I want to point out to somebody who came to this episode looking for this vice president of the NAB, I, I want them to know about your background and how diverse it is and, and some of the things that you've been involved in. You were not just the CFO of this broadcast company in Arkansas. You eventually ended up as the chairman of the Arkansas Broadcasters Association. Certainly, this means that you are good at networking. What networking advice can you give us here on the Radio Rally? I think for me, having a a big level of humility, um, I think for me, you know, I didn't have all the answers to everything. But right. you know, I would always reach out to other board members or other members of the ABA, you know, to talk about, you know, for example, if we were working on an advocacy issue, whether it was like the performance tax or regulatory fees or whatever, making sure that we had as many voices involved because I want to make sure that we weren't missing a perspective that was really important in the process. And so right. for me, you know, it's easy, yeah, that you're chair of the Arkansas Broadcasters Association. Um, but I think you build that trust with people if you ask them for their advice. I think in, in general, not just in these roles, but I think in life in general, I think people are kind of humbled when you ask them for, for their advice on anything and getting their perspective because it just kind of either reinforces what you're thinking or maybe, maybe you know, I should change my perspective on something. And All right. So I'm going to bring up that you and I have been talking for just a few minutes and we've already uncovered twice the word relationship. Okay. And first you said advertisers did this and really it's relationships that did this, your relationships with them. That's really incredible. This is what works really, really well for uh, smaller broadcasters that can work well at any level. What did you learn with the Arkansas 
Broadcasters Association that you may have applied in your service to the NAB? Well, one of the things that I think really helped me here at NAB now is the advocacy work we did back in Arkansas. You know, fortunately, we have a congressional delegation that's very supportive of broadcasters. It actually includes uh, two House members that were broadcasters themselves. Either one grew up in a family business of broadcasters, the other had different broadcasting shows. And so right. obviously that gave us kind of a leg up because they understood the business in general. But they they understand, especially when you're from a smaller state where people know a lot more people and you have those relationships. Um, Wait a minute, Arkansas is a smaller state? <laughs> yep, the three million people, that's it. I hear you. Yeah, but for us with those advocacy efforts, it made it a lot easier, obviously, because you know it's a smaller state and we have more direct access with those congressional leaders that represented us. And so right. um, I think for me, when I, you know, I, I sit in on several meetings here at NAB, and one of those is government affairs. And we talk about, you know, not only does the work at NAB is important, but really our state associations and their leadership with their directors and boards, because when we work like on certain issues, and when I'm in these meetings, it's always talked about, okay, these states or, you know, talking to their congressional members, depending on kind of where their congressional members, you know, if they're on a certain committee or if they're sponsoring a bill. And it's just really an important partnership between NAB and the states. But so me, you have a lot of relationship with all of these individual state broadcasters associations? So, yeah, just over. So when I was on the NAB radio board, I got to know you know, and when you go to like the NAB show or NAB state leadership conference every February, you get to meet a lot of people from other states, other executive directors or presidents of state associations and their boards. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I've been just over the years been able to meet them. And then when I was on the radio board of NAB, I represented Arkansas and Tennessee. So I would go to, you know, Tennessee meetings and, and talk to, to them and got to know a lot of them. So it just it reinforces what you were saying about relationships and just building those because over time when an issue comes up, you know, a lot of the times, like my boss, April Cardi Sepp will say, do you know so-and-so? And, you know, we'll try to pull in certain people to help us with an issue um, to advocate, you know, for NAB or an issue on Capitol Hill or at, at, at the FCC because, you know, the FCC staff, they don't, many don't have an experience in broadcasting. And so, we just try to show them why, you know, these policies, you know, they need to maybe reconsider them or maybe just have a, a perspective from a broadcaster on the impact that they would have. We're talking about relationships with Bradford Caldwell. And listen, uh, you know, Bradford is the vice president of member experience with the National Association of Broadcasters. Uh, Bradford, can you tell us about the position you hold today? I am especially interested that the NAB has used these words to describe as a part of your title, member experience. Yeah, I, you know, I think it shows what the NAB leadership really takes us to heart because we want to make sure that the experience that our membership has, whether they're a TV member or a radio member, is always as positive as possible. And also the interaction that we're being as responsive as we can. So right. we have like a member concierge so that you can call just 
if you have a question, you know, but you don't know who at NAB to talk to, you would call Sarah, who's our member concierge, and she would help direct you to the right person, whether you have a- Wait, wait, account. wait. So you're saying the NAB has something in common with Mayberry? Exactly. You call Sarah? <laughs> you call Sarah, yep. She's our member concierge, and uh, she'll point you in the right direction. So if you have a legal question or if you need to get a hold of, you know, our membership team, uh, you know, about something, um, she's, she's your go-to person. So she'll let us know if something comes up or, you know, I always tell people you can email me or another staffer. And, you know, if there's a question that we can't answer directly, we find somebody here at the office and, you know, I, but the leadership is really adamant about being as responsive as quickly as possible because mm. we know everyone's time's, you know, uh, precious and we want to make sure we get an answer back to everybody as soon as we can. But this member experience is not just, you know, these day-to-day -day outside of our events, but we're really focused also on content at our NAB show in Las Vegas and our upcoming NAB show in New York and really building programming for managers and salespeople and programmers. Oh, uh, nice. Now, listen, I want you to give us the dates of those two. So yeah, so NAB Show New York is going to be at the Javits Center on October 19th and 20th. Um, and uh, we also have our uh, Marconi Awards. Uh, we're calling Radio's Biggest Night. We just announced our finalist about a, a week ago or so. And so we're excited that we're going to be honoring those finalists. Uh, there's about 20 plus categories. So there'll be a winner in every category. And that'll be on the evening of October 19th at the Javits Center. Very good. All right. Now, the NAB talks about advocacy, education, innovation. Uh, you also have these events we're talking about. What is the best part about being involved with the NAB for you and also for members? Well, for me, it's really just working with the members. Um, I get, you know, ever since I started when I was interviewing for this position, something I really wanted to emphasize in my interviews was making sure I was available to members and really doing some outreach to them just to hear what they, you know, their thoughts on NAB in general or what we could do better to serve them, um, get the, getting their feedback about our events. And so I've been able to do some of that um, over time. Um, but also we have several committees here at NAB. We have a small and medium market radio committee a small market television exchange committee. We have our NAB broadcast ambassadors group that helps us promote NAB and our programs. So um, that's kind of my you know, realm that I kind of manage those committees. And so we have meetings every month or two. And so they, you know, we kind of give them what we're working on, whether it's NAB shows or um, some virtual trainings. You know, for example, mm -hmm. we've talked about mm -hmm. recruiting you know, everyone's looking for people. And so we're trying to figure out now how we can build a webinar, you know, about recruiting and really just- That's a very, very important topic right there. Yeah. And so just learning about these current topics that people want is part of this member experience, you know, position for me so that our team here at NAB can build out content around that to make sure that, you know, it's relevant and we're staying on top of it to give our members- um, more information about it because you know they don't a lot of them don't have the time to do it themselves so they really like for us to build programs around that so we can help them whether that's like I said a webinar or an actual in-person event whether it's New York or Las Vegas. 
I love it. All right. Listen, I'm get to talk about the big word with you now. I hope you're ready. You've got this background, CFO, you've got all this education, you've been in these different roles for, uh, oh my God, all these really important jobs. And now you're in this important job about experiences, which I find are incredibly, incredibly important. I have written something that will not actually be public for probably 20 or 30 days or so. It's called The World Doesn't Work Very Well. And it's all about how businesses, you know, they establish a brand and then eventually some people come in and get involved and time passes on and people start thinking about the transaction more than they think about the consumer experience. And this is really something that can challenge any business at any time, but certainly broadcasters are being challenged by it today. Uh, you see this a lot in terms of downsizing and trying to figure out how do we how do we do broadcasting cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. So the word that is often missing is innovation. Mm -hmm. How important is the word innovation to broadcasters right now? Well, it's very critical. I mean, I, I think as time goes on, it becomes more evident of how critical it is. I think you saw with the pandemic too of how broadcasters really had to shift. You know, for for our company, you know, people, you know, they got COVID. You know, they you know had to isolate at home, and um, so we were trying to figure out how to you know replace them on air. You know, during that time with other people or at some point we were able to, you know, provide them equipment where they could broadcast from home if, if they were, were healthy enough. Um, but I think for us, even like here at NAB, you know, we built this new building in 2020, right before the pandemic happened. But even around that time before that, you know, we started putting a lot of our files, you know, into the cloud so that staff, you know, everyone has a laptop. So they were able to work from home and just being able to innovate and, uh, to have that flexibility to work from anywhere um, because things move, happen so fast. And well, and look, you know that we're in the innovation century, we're in the mobile century. There's so many words that you can associate with this. You know that innovation is another word for change. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the 21st century together, you and I, okay, celebrating in this podcast. There are always challenges for broadcasters that require change. Why do you think change is so hard, Bradford? I think a lot of it too is, you know, no one likes to admit that they don't know everything. And when you have change and you may not know how much change you need to do, I think, you know, everyone's already busy already with, you know, your day-to-day -day work and projects. But I think change is also hard because sometimes it's hard to get that buy-in from others because, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way you know, forever, maybe for years and years, but as time goes on, you know, with innovation, just like we talked about before, and, and knowing that you're going to have to change, you know, with the times and whether that's, you know, doing more digital work or, you know, offerings, but, you know, finding people with that skill set, but also trying to educate people on how they can sell digital, for example. And so, um, powerful. Think, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's hard because human beings, you know, we just want to coast through, you know, we don't want change. It's, you know. It's no, no, you know what it is, right? 
it's like as humans, especially as we age, we go, at some point you realize that you've learned everything that you ever need. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the point in time in which you are in big trouble because things change across time and you don't really notice how radical the change is because you already know so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's almost like if we could have a pill that we take <laughs> that would allow us to realize, okay, it's okay not to know everything, yeah. then our lives would be easier, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talk, listen, we talk a lot on the encouragers about encouraging radio pros at all levels. And by the way, if people are listening to this who are in television stations, you come right on the board because the things we're talking about are pretty universal and broadcast right now. We talk a lot about mentors too. So do you have a mentor or have you been involved with mentors in your career? And if so, can you share maybe one story of how a mentor has changed your life either personally or professionally? Well, you know, I've had a lot of mentors, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs. I think for me, you know, working with my parents and especially with my father, he's been kind of my main mentor in learning the business. Um, you know, right. even though I was around radio growing up, but, you know, moving back home in 2007 and just learning the business side of radio, because, you know, I was just like a lot of people, you know, you're a listener, you don't know what all goes in behind the scenes to get a spot on the air. You know, you've got to sell it, you've got to produce it. Um, you've got to make sure your tower site's, you know, good and you've got, you know, good uh, engineering and, you know, the audio processing's good. And all those little things that happen behind the scenes are so important. And that's something that I learned from him and our team back home. But as a mentor, you know, I felt like I could ask him questions, um, you know, openly about, well, how does this work? Or, you know, should we really be doing this? And, you know, oh, I didn't think about that. And so for me, you know, learning from him, but also, you know, I, I did not know my grandfathers growing up, but I had two really good grandmothers, you know, by mother. Yeah, you mother. did. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother's mother, who, you know, took over the station after my grandfather passed away, was another good one learning the business from her. But also my father's mother, um, who raised 10 kids, who eight are still alive. She instilled in them the importance of education too, and all 10 graduated from college. So, and, and by the way, she had a real job, <laughs> 10 kids. Right, exactly. She, yeah, that was more than a full time job for sure. And that's right. And just learning from her. And I think as I get older, how much I appreciate, you know, knowing her when I was younger before they, you know, both passed, but, and just learning from them. I mean, I've had a lot of great, you know, business mentors, but, you know, they've been great life mentors too, but, um, but yeah, I would say definitely my parents and my grandmothers for sure. Hey, look, we celebrate both here on the encouragers and on this podcast. Listen, can you walk us through how the NAB handled the pandemic? You mentioned that just briefly, but, but look, you know, uh, how did the pandemic challenge your team? Because it challenged everybody. Right. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we moved into a new building in early 2020, right before the pandemic started. Um, but around that time, you know, NAB leadership saw the importance of, you know, having that flexibility with staff. And so a lot of our files, like I said, were put on the cloud. So it can be accessed anywhere you know, for staff. Um, all the staff here have laptops. So, you know, if they're working in the office or if they're working remotely, um, they can access files and interact with people. 
just like a lot of people, you know, a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of Microsoft. So listen, what you're basically saying is the NAB can be anywhere, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's not it's not just in Washington. It's everywhere. Right. I mean, obviously, being in Washington, you know, as we advocate in front of Congress and the FCC is important. But I think it shows that NAB, you know, recognizes the importance of our memberships and our state associations all around the country. So, right. you know, when some of us travel to state association meetings, just to be seen and represented to make sure that people know we're not just a DC, you know, we're not just stuck in DC, like we're actually getting out meeting, you know, our members and others in the industry showing that um, we really need everybody helping and, and rowing in the same direction um, because it's important to, to get out of DC from time to time. And so I'm hoping to do that more um, as well as some other staff, but um, you know, obviously, we didn't have a trade show for a couple of years with the pandemic. So yeah, everybody was impacted. So, but right. you're getting back to that. Listen, it's not just been radio for you and broadcast associations for you. you uh, we're going to uncover some things here. You were the president of the Cross County Arkansas Chamber of Commerce. I think there's something similar about the NAB and Chambers of Commerce. Both are working as a group on um, behalf of important groups of people. Can you talk with us about Chambers of Commerce and what their goal usually is as an organization? It might take you back a little bit, but I just think all this ties in. Yeah. So, yeah, I was president of the, the local chamber back in Arkansas in 2018. So, you know, just before the pandemic. Um, and it's been a great experience, you know, having been on the board for a number of years, but also as a, just a member because, you know, and no matter what community you're located, building that and fostering that business, that sense of business community among members is so important um, because you're able to get through the tough times, just like with the pand pandemic and, and whatnot, but really also celebrating your community. You know, I, we every June we have our Farm Fest uh, festival. It's where uh, everybody in the community comes together. We have a big barbecue competition. We have a lot of, you know, live music. So that sounds like something I can get behind. Yeah, exactly. So it's just making sure that we're building those community events or like the Christmas parade and, you know, encouraging everybody to enter that. So our radio station would broadcast the, you know, Christmas parade every year. Um, so it's just really building that community support with each other. And whether that's you're a town of Wynn, Arkansas, that's 8,000 or, a large metro area, um, but just having a, a strong chamber and, and and making sure that everybody in the business community is helping each other. You know, obviously that you may have competitors and whatnot, but um, at the end of the day, it's really about building up a, your community as a whole and making I, sure everybody understands that. I love that you come from such a community background and can speak to that at the NAB. Listen, you served as a member of the National Association of Broadcasters Radio Board of Directors representing Arkansas and Tennessee. How in the world did you get involved at that level? Well, you know, every two years, uh, you know, the terms of NAB board members are two years. And so uh, Arkansas and Tennessee, uh, you know, it has that, it's that board seat. And so I ran for it and, and was fortunate to be elected. And so I got to interact. Obviously, I knew a lot of Arkansas members already, but um, I was fortunate to go to Tennessee to different meetings and, and learn from some of their members. And obviously, with Tennessee being a huge, you know, country music mecca with Nashville, but also 
you know, soul music in, in Memphis, where, you know, oh, I'm, sure. I'm from that area. Um, it's so important, you know, for example, with issues of music licensing, you know, and, you know, radio stations, you know, pay, you know, music license fees to several different groups. And so you're in that heart. But, but you know, knowing those Tennessee leaders, broadcast leaders, um, and working with those in the music industry. Um, so it's not just us versus them, but really just sitting down at the table, trying to learn from each other, you know, about, you know, our various interests. And just, it goes back to the relationships that whether or not you may agree or disagree about, you know, how much, you know, radio stations should pay, you know, for music license fees, but just building that rapport with each other. And what I saw, especially in Tennessee, that um, even though the broadcasters, you know, have one side of an issue and the, the music industry has another, but if you just really sit down and work with each other and talk through things that it doesn't have to be as combative as what it may appear to be, that it's just this kind of Headbutting. Well, and look, I'm going to say this, and uh, you can correct me if you feel like I'm wrong in any way, but that business that you're talking about on the other side of the table, that is a global business. They are a much larger business than any broadcast company. Mm -hmm. And so we're lucky to have the NAB to be there on our behalf, having these kinds of conversations. Exactly. And, and you know, we've been very open about wanting to keep the door open to talking. Sure. You know, to the industry leaders of, of the music industry, and so I think that's what our leadership wants to make sure that people know that we're we're available, and you know that we're not just sitting on our hands saying no, no, no. That we're wanting to you know continue to work with that industry, and um, and so it's not just us versus them. I think it's time for me to alert everyone that you are kind of a troublemaker. Uh, you've probably not been called that before, but believe me, I'm I'm going to say it now. It turns out that you look a bit like a technology guy, okay? When I say troublemaker, whenever you use the word technology and me in the same sentence, we're in trouble already. Uh, you were a board member of the Arkansas Science and Technology Authority. Was this something that interested you or did it grow out of your other work or both? Kind of a little of everything. Actually, what happened was... Um, uh, I had reached out to, at the time we had, uh, the governor was Mike Beebe of Arkansas. And I mm -hmm. reached out to staff and said, you know, if there are any opportunities to serve and, you know, in a volunteer capacity on a board or a commission, I'd be interested. And, and so they came back to me and said, here are a couple of options, but they were like, you know, we really think, you know, with your broadcast background that, you know, the Arkansas Science and Technology Authority might be a good avenue. And it was, right. you know, you know, something new to me, but, you know, the more I read about it and the more I talked to their staff, I became really interested. So tell, tell us what the Arkansas Science and Technology Authority is responsible for. Yeah. So it's now part of the Arkansas Department of Commerce. And so it does okay. a couple of different things. It really helps to foster innovation and in businesses around the state. Um, um, so we have a very diversified economy. Obviously, me being from Eastern Arkansas, it's a very heavily agricultural uh, background. So finding ways, for example, at the time we were doing a lot of work with um, cellulose. And so like different byproducts of uh, crops, like, you know, once, once crops were harvested, you could use certain things for byproducts of other things. So we were talking about that, but um, in Northwest Arkansas, where you have, you know, Walmart and Tyson Foods, um, a lot of technology companies uh, did a lot of work in nanotechnology. And so mm -hmm. 
um, and especially in the medical field and how that could benefit patients down the road. So ASTA was really, you know, revolutionizing, helping those businesses and providing funding for different projects. Um, but it also helped with promoting research at universities. So like the National Science Foundation and other federal agencies would have grant monies available. And so ASTA would help the universities apply for those grants. So a lot of the times um, we were help, able to help universities like the University of Arkansas or Arkansas State University and others mm -hmm. around the state um, with different um, research projects and funding. So we did a, a level of that. So that was something new to me that I didn't really have a lot of background on, but I really gained a lot of perspective and just really what a lot of these you know researchers at these universities are doing some really interesting things that they could help so many different industries like medical research or the ag industry. So listen, there's no doubt there. There's no doubt when you're talking about a university town, I often think that broadcasters should spend more time focused on this because there's so much development of ideas that come out of these communities. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was very eye opening to me and just really um, in talking to these professors and what they were working on and really in what these students and graduate students were helping with. And so right. a lot of the times we would look at, you know, job creation too, and, and working with businesses, but also how the universities could help get some of these students who have a great background in maybe chemistry or physics or nanotechnology or in whatever to maybe help them find a great career track for them once they graduate. So you're, you were universities in and the businesses really needed to have a good partnership together because it kind of fed them some potential job candidates. You are a really interesting fellow. Listen, are you the chairman of something in Cross County, Arkansas, the Cross County, Arkansas Community Foundation? Is that true? Well, I was. I just stepped down as the chair about a, a few weeks ago because... Well, you got to tell us about this Cross County, Arkansas Community Foundation a little bit, if you will. Yeah. So the Cross County Community Foundation, there's about... Uh, so there's 75 counties in Arkansas and about 25 or 30 have these county level community foundations as a part of the Arkansas Community Foundation, which is our state kind of group that helps us manage the day-to-day operations and each of the counties has a part-time executive director and a board. And so uh, we have back in Cross County, Arkansas, we have a lot of great benefactors that over time have donated money to the foundation. And we built up some really nice endowments that were able to pull some money every year for a number of initiatives. So we have uh, a, what we call a giving tree grant program that helps uh, kind of any kind of an over, a general grant program. So we've helped do grants for like food insecurity. So we've helped give money to food pantries. We've given money to help with like housing needs. So to provide safe and affordable housing back in Cross County, um, helping our school system. So like during the pandemic, we were able to give some money to some of the schools to help feed some of the kids that may not have um, food, you know, during the day because they weren't going to school. So we were able to deliver that food to their homes. And also with scholarships too. And so we have a lot of great families that established scholarships in the name of family members that were able to give every, you know, graduation. So for me, it was really special knowing that the impact, you know, our home county is only about 15,000 people, but just knowing that the impact was really great that we had on our community, just like the chamber does. And that's why 
all these groups, you know, it's so important. You know, I had the honor to to be a part of it, um, but it makes me appreciate all that work and the work I do at NAB. It just really comes down to, like you said, relationships and service, because I think if you have that level of humility, people appreciate that. I'm going to add something to your story, Bradford. Uh, you're not just somebody who is humble as a servant to a lot of people uh, in different roles. Uh, you're not just somebody who uh, understands relationships and values relationships, but you're also somebody who goes out of their way even to volunteer and pick up things where you can make a difference. I've heard that a couple of times during this interview by itself, and I just want to commend you for uh, uh, such strength and advocacy, even in situations where you're volunteering to do it. It's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. I, I've, it's been a blessing. I mean, I've really enjoyed each of those experiences. I mean, over time, because I've got to meet a lot of great people and it's just really, you know, eye-opening to see the work that people are doing out there and that we're all in this together and helping each other. And that's what we all should be doing even more. All right. So listen, it, let's do some eye-opening right now. If I am a broadcaster of any kind, or I just want to be involved, mm -hmm. if if we want to get involved with the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, how do we best do that? Well, obviously contact us, either myself or Sarah, our member concierge, or others um, here at NAB. And we how do we do that? Do you have an email address for oh, yeah, you a, guys? Or Yeah, it's a B Caldwell, so B-C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L -L at NAB.org. Um, you can also email membership at nab.org. Um, our department gets those emails. Um, our member concierge number is 202-775-2555. Um, there's a number of ways to get involved. Obviously, like I've said, with our advocacy work, you know, if members and, and people in the industry have relationships with members of Congress or others that help that could help us, we want that. Like I said, we have a number of committees that we're always looking for new committee members, whether it's the radio side or the TV side. We also have a broadcast ambassadors group that helps us promote NAB. So we're always looking for people. So there are several ways to help out. So, you know, I'm more than happy to, you know, talk to people about, you know, some potential, you know, ways to serve. And, um, but yeah, the more the merrier, because I think as an industry, like I said, the more people rowing in the same direction, the stronger we are. We you bet. We're, look, we're all connected, I, I, and I, I can speak to this more globally. On this planet, we are all connected. In this country, we are all connected. In broadcasting, we're all connected. We do better when we row together. Um, listen, I, how can I be on this thing with you and not throw in kind of a ringer question? Are you ready for this? Sure. Tell us what's so great about Arkansas. Other people, it's just, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, you know, growing up there and just the level of people wanting to help each other, um, you know, you know, we have every state has its challenges. And like I said, you know, in doing my work with the community foundation or the chamber, you know, when, when there are times of need, uh, whether it's a pandemic or, you know, when schools aren't in session and kids, you know, don't get access to food and, um, it makes you really humble that, you know, I've been very fortunate growing up um, and having the education I've had and the work experiences, but I, I really do. I mean, I know it's 
kind of cliche, but for me, it's really the people. Because every time I go back home, you know, you, you see a lot of people that you know, and you catch up, you know, especially the relationships. How How's your relative or how's your, you know, family members? Because you know their kids' names because you've known them forever. So um, for me, that's what I love about going back home. And it kind of keeps me grounded. You know, I love working here in Washington and being with my coworkers and other friends that I have in this community. But um, it's kind of humbling when I go home and just really know that the work our stations are doing, our radio stations are doing, are really having an impact, not just to the businesses, but the communities, because really radio is building those connections, whether that's with on-air staff or sales staff with, you know, working with businesses. I think people, you know, they get up every day, they turn on the radio because they feel like they have a relationship with their on-air staff. And that's right. Yeah, yeah. So now listen, I want to make sure that you understand I'm not making fun here because I'm talking about Arkansas, but that question you just asked really is best served by saying, how's your mama and them? Exactly. And the way that you're going to know I'm not making fun of you is I'm actually from the state below you, Louisiana. Louisiana. Okay. <laughs> so that's familiar language to me. I yeah. Listen, I do have this one final question for you mm. that I think is important to anybody who's attached in any way to the broadcast business today. Uh, I'm specifically going to focus this question on radio, of course. What is it that you see as the future of the business, our business of radio? What's our future? Well, I'm glad you asked this because I get asked this quite a bit, not just, you know, with my job at NAB, but we get asked this back home or, you know, when I was at meetings. But I've always believed that the over-the-air signal is the core of what we do. Of what, you know, the product we have, it's the core, whether that's, you know, on-air staff, you know, the commercials we run, and that everything else is kind of wraps around it. And, you know, whether that's digital, you know, with streaming, you know, we have, we know that streaming is very popular. Um, podcast, I mean, just like this, um, there's really a growing hunger for it, because I think it comes down to relationship building and people want that connection. So it's not just, you're playing my favorite music, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing, you know, from your on-air person in the morning because I've listened to him or her, you know, for all these years. Um, so I, I feel like the business of radio is going to be strong in the future as long as we continue to evolve and innovate. And I've seen a lot of great progress. I mean, and something we haven't talked about is, you know, in the dashboard in the car and how radio yes. can be involved in that. And, you know, fortunately, we have a lot of people here at NAB who are pushing, you know, with the automakers and industry partners who also help us, you know, show the automakers, you know, nine out of 10 people want radio to continue in the car because they, you know, listen to AM and FM radio and they want to continue that. So, you know, I think the automakers understand now that, you know, radio is so important to the consumer and that's what, you know, drives them because they want to make sure the consumers want it. And so, I feel like, yes, over the years is the core, but all these other ancillary services, whether that's streaming or the podcast or, you know, listening in the car are so critical for us and we have to stay on top of it. Now, it's going to be, you know, more of a challenge, obviously, as time goes on, because there's going to be more competition. But I always tell people our competitive advantage advantage in radio is we're local and we're free. And as long I'm as we those two uh, things, we're going to be good, but we have to continue to work. It's not it's not getting any easier, I'll say. I wouldn't be a good consultant if I mentioned this next thing that needs to go with what you're saying, which is brand is very important. 
So we've gotten away from branding a good bit in the radio business and gotten into the business of homogeny. So I would say that along with everything that you just said, which is absolutely perfect, I would add that branding is very, very important for our local radio brands because people will step over the dead body of a commodity to get to a brand and will pay more for it. And and let me add not just audio, you know, but also visual branding. And because so many stations are doing more video content. I agree. And and it, going back to the innovation part, and like, for example, our stations are doing more high school football announcements, but also high school video, uh, you know, work this fall. So it's just that continuing involvement that, you know, over these hundred years of radio, we're going to have another great hundred years in the future. Now, it may look a little different than the past hundred, but just like any industry, as long as you keep innovating, you'll be successful. That's exactly right. Bradford, I want to thank you for being our guest today. Well, thank you, Lloyd. I I mean, I really have enjoyed it. And thank you for the time. And I hope I gave, you know, everybody some insights on my perspective. But, you know, like I said, I'm more than happy to, you know, listen from others. And if others want to get more involved with NAB to definitely let me know. I love it. Listen, get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside the free blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We are here to encourage radio pros at all levels. That certainly includes salespeople, of course. Subscribe anytime to what you're hearing right now, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. It's available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get podcasts. Listen to our episodes in our large and growing archive, along with our new episodes each week. And I promise you're going to be encouraged. You will learn unexpected expected and valuable things because of the value that comes from each episode and each of our guests. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. I hope that you have a great week. Like we like to say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else that you want. If you need to know what that means, call me up anytime. I'd be glad to share with you. We want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Bradford Caldwell, who's with the National Association of Broadcasting. We want to thank him for being our patient and giving guest with all of my silly questions. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available any minute uh, this episode, wherever you get your podcast and justjoeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Subscribe free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything that you heard from this episode, remember this be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers. And of course, Good night.